I'm Phil Liggett and this is The Wheelhouse. It's very hip-hop. Very hip-hop. Very hip-hop. You're in quite a mood. I am very happy to be back in the bunker. On The Wheelhouse podcast, very happy to be with you. Uh, in the mysterious bunker for the second time in 2023. My name's Joel Sprebro. Kate Bates is here as well. You've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to talk about. It's a big show. The, the summer of cycling, it's been hot, it's been cold, it's been everything in Australia. We're going to talk about what what came out of it. Also, one of our favourites uh, has called it a day. One of everyone's favourites has called it a day. We're going to go through the career. We're in mourning. Of the great Peter Sagan as mm. well. Um San Juan, Argentina, lots happening over there. Lots happened over there. Thrills, spills and everything in between as well. And a battle of two giants coming your way on the Wheelhouse podcast. First and foremost, hello, Catherine Bates. Hello, Joel. How good is it to be back in the bunker? Yeah. And um, look, we dress the bunker in here. So if you're watching, you can see it. But if you're listening, we've got a fair bit of paraphernalia from jerseys, chicks who ride bikes, jerseys, six day. I've just bought back from the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race, the road books and a cap. Uh, but we've got a new addition today yeah. uh, because the legends at the Parramatta Cycling Club have sent me a new season jersey. That's why you said paraphernalia, isn't it? We've para. got paraphernalia. I know. So thank you very much um, to the guys there. It's always yeah. a little bit of home. Um, the bunker is in Queensland, uh, but I am, you know, born and bred in, in the western suburbs of New South Wales and my heart is always at Parramatta. Uh, so... Yes, our set looks beautiful today. Very slick wardrobe it from the, the guys at Para, the guys and girls who, who put it all together. Massive Indeed shout. Thank is. you for helping Not as out. good as our watermelon-coloured champsis kit. <laughs> well. um, and a reminder to anybody who may want a bit of our merch that yes. you can follow the link on our social media because uh, you can get yourself some now. The shop is open for business and I, I must say I need to go to the shop because I've been wearing this watermelon number for... Most of the run of this podcast so far, so I think I might be our first customer and get the ball rolling. It's one of those yeah. things where if one person comes along, then the others will follow. That's Momentum. what I'm going to go with. Momentum. Um, let's yes. kick off with, with some hard-hitting news. Uh, I don't know if it was completely, completely unexpected, but also a little bit, oh, it's it's actually happening. We're talking, of course, about Peter Sagan. It, it has hit hard at the wheelhouse, mm. our, our very own Merksy is not just, he takes Superfan to a new level, absolutely loves him. Uh, stepping away from his World Tour cycling career. Where do we start with this? How are you feeling about Peter Sagan's call? Oh, God. I mean, he he retires. He announces his retirement in the kind of style that only Peter Sagan could. Very charismatic rider. Uh, he threw himself a birthday party at yeah. the Tour of San Juan. Um, and not a small shindig, I might add, like full-on, you know, lights and staging and all that sort of jazz. Uh ostensibly to celebrate his 33rd birthday. Uh, but as visitors rocked up, they realised uh, that it was maybe something more. There were monitors rolling montages of his career. Uh, he and all his teammates and his closest uh, allies on the staff, they all had Peter Sagan T-shirts on. Yeah. It was a thing. It was a thing. Uh, and so he announced that he wants to go out on top. He wants his last year uh, in the World Tour to be this year, that yeah. he's achieved everything he wants to. And I think in quite like quite beautifully, he wants to spend more time with his son, uh, Marlon, who he's missed out on a lot of him uh, growing up while he's been racing. And he yep. feels like the time is now. But there's a caveat to it, Joel. He's retiring from World Tour Road, but he's planning on ending his career at the Paris Olympics 
on the mountain bike. I, I love I I love this about the the story. Firstly, just on the party quickly. If you mm. turn up to that party thinking this is just a birthday party, and you're looking across and you're seeing highlight reels of the <laughs> birthday boy and people wearing shirts, are you are you sitting there going, "Geez, it's a bit of a." Bit of a self-indulgent birthday well, party, then all of a sudden, oh, wow, actually, oh, jeez. For anybody else, yes. Yeah, okay. I think for Pete, it's so on brand. Okay. It is so on brand. <laughs> and one of the reporters there, um, the delightful Laura Masuga from Spain, she does a, covers a lot of uh, these races in Spanish and in English as well, but yep. she's an incredible journalist. Now, mm. she interviewed him and she said, I'm very sad. I'm very sad that you're retiring. And in a way that only Peter Sagan could, he said, but I'm not dead. <laughs> that was his I'm response. so glad to hear an athlete say that because there's always such an in-memoriam thing going on it when is. athletes retire. It's like they're still here. They're just not yeah. going to be competing. But look, it is it is yeah. a monu- monumental call. But mm. look, I like the symmetry of finishing where it all started on the mountain bike in yes. Paris. Imagine if there's – just imagine. Can you well, just imagine if – Oh, Now, this is a, a bit of a contentious one. All right. Um, and in fact – this coincides with uh, the most hate I've ever received on social media. Oh dear. <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> so in 2016 in Rio, Peter Sagan decided not to do the road and to do the mountain bike because he thought the course wouldn't suit him. Yep. So he opted for mountain bike. I commentated the mountain bike uh, with Scott McGrory and I said very early on that I didn't think Peter Sagan would be very good uh, in the race. It, the likes of Nino Schurter, like the most incredible mountain bikers with their pedigree and their skills. Yep. And he was at the peak of his uh, career, absolutely. But what he lacked on that day was the specific mountain bike skills. And so he got a number of pinch flats, which you get on the mountain bike from, you know, hitting a rock too hard, essentially not really having those skills dialed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said this on air and... Let me tell you, Peter Sagan fans, they came for me. Uh, oh, on mass, they they were like, "What would you know? You're oh, a no. trackie. What would you know about mountain biking? Stay off the dirt, Bates." Um, I can I can say that it's the only time I've been satisfied to see Peter Sagan not go well, um, because I felt validated. You're just sitting there going, "Vindication." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So I hope that he actually takes the time to dial his skills back in because I think he does have full picture and he loves the mountain bike and he is capable and I'd love to see him finish on a high but this is a guy I mean we've got a graphic up here Mm. in the studio 121 total pro wins Joel like incredible incredible. 18 grand to a stage wins three world titles on the trot might I add Mm -hmm. a nice uh, hat trick there eight time winner of the green jersey at the Tour de France and probably more than that you're a bit newer to the sport than Peter Sagan is, uh, Joel. You mm. weren't a fan back in 2012 when he started winning at the Tour de France. Um, but he was known when he was young for these celebrations at the finish. And it's his teammates would put him up to it. <laughs> so they'd say to him like, oh, today if you win, I mean, imagine being that good that you can do this. But today, if you win, why don't you do a Forrest Gump? Because they tell him... Oh, the him, running man. Of yeah, course, yes, to just yes. keep running. And yeah. so his second stage win at the Tour de France in yeah. 2012, he's doing a bit of a run. And interestingly, because he was young then, he was only 22, geez, it ruffled some feathers. Like at the time, Robbie Hunter, a South African professional sprinter, very good, very well respected, came out and was like, 
I think it's disrespectful. Okay, so it ruffled feathers into this is a highly well, unorthodox kind of... I mean, insofar as he was just winning so easily yeah. that he could do these elaborate celebrations. So they're, they're sort of thinking, you're, you're taking the piss a bit here. Like yeah. you're, not, you're not respecting But he was, the, because yeah, okay. he was that much better, <laughs> and he was 22, and he's Peter Sagan. Yeah. Um, but over the years, there's been a whole heap. I mean, he did a chicken dance. You know, like da 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 da. That oh, kind I know, of chicken. I know it very well. Dance. I wanted it to be um, my bridal waltz, but I got alas, voted off anyway. I, I think Lee made a good decision. They're yes. voting that off. Um, he's done wheelies over the line. He's yeah. done like the bodybuilder kind of like whoa pose. Yeah, the pythons. Um, he's gotten the pythons yes, out. Yes. He's kind of done it all. He's been. He's been very. You know, I, I charismatic. Always, I love yes, him. Yes, I love yeah. that for an athlete in a sport that's charismatic without taking it too far. And I'll compare it to the likes. Let's let's, let's look at a, a Nick Kyrgios, for example, mm. someone who is quite charismatic but just oversteps and makes himself look like a bit of a douche canoe. I know, canoe. but people <laughs> douche canoe. Thank you're you. stealing yeah, that from stole me. That. But people come to watch him. They do um, exactly. And people have always come to watch Peter Sagan since yep. he's stopped winning. And on the celebrations, the one that I forgot to mention, but he's one of my favies. He did the hula. Yeah, the I know that you Swiss. love the hula. Okay, I just yeah. think like that's just really cool. You didn't like message him and say, "Can you do, just do do one for me?" This do do no, one hula. I, no, I mean I tried, but one eight hundred Sargon like <laughs> it didn't work. Just didn't connect. And can for I just uh, can I issue a, a personal <laughs> apology to Peter? Congratulations on your amazing success, mm. and I'm so sorry for the first time I ever got to chat about you in the mainstream media. I called you Peter Sagan, and I will oh. never live that down. And it's caused a, a lot of teasing on the wheelhouse and I wanted to say sorry uh what a what a guy sorry, what an Petto. athlete really superstitious kind of guy and I think I, I like that too like I think cycling has a lot mm. of superstition uh the others it's up there with like cricket golf there's a lot of superstition in sports like that what what's behind that from someone that is so mm. good and is going to win anyway and is pre-planning winning celebrations that knows that they're good enough to win why are they still so superstitious I don't know the exact answer to that but I can say that most of them are. I was. Yeah. I'm not generally. Well, it's almost like what have you got to lose? Like just in case it is a thing, don't tempt it. Okay. You know, like if you get number 13, you got to wear it upside down. Yes. I went an entire season with number 13. I wore it upside down every time. Worst season of my career, might I add. So number 31. Um, I Well, oh gosh, it, it almost looks like, you know, <laughs> a kind of weird numbering system. And yeah. to the point where... Because Italians are very superstitious. If you're in Italy and you turn up with number 13 on and you haven't turned it upside down, they will tell you to turn it upside down. Oh, really? Right? So it's just a thing. But um, so the story goes, in the middle of an interview, um, one of the journalists asked him about the winning the green jersey again. Okay. And he answered, but then took off in a run in the other direction and the journalist was like, what on earth is going on here? Yeah, smelling, um, going, do I, do I stink yeah. or something? Um, that- to hit a piece of wood before he came back to finish um, the question. Oh, wow. So it's not like simmering under. No, no, it's that's like okay. right there. Okay. Um, but he's not the only one. I reckon there's a whole episode in uh, these superstitions. Oh, there sure is. That are on the bike. I've always been fascinated mm. by it, not, not just in cycling, but what I, since being involved, like seeing how acute it is with so many of the leading lights. And again, that are so capable of winning without superstition, but have all of these mm. things that they that oh. give them a sense of comfort and security, I guess, before they get on the track. There's so many athletes who have a really distinctive on the start line yeah. thing. Yeah. Like Michelle Jenica, one of our um, track athletes, she does this jiggly dance. Yeah, yes. Um, 
Katie McTeer, who was Australia's best ever individual pursuit rider. Yep. Uh, she had a funny thing she did with her lip on the start line. Yep. I had this weird thing with my eyebrows. I know that sounds really odd, but I'd like smooth them out. Okay. I don't know why. Did you have like wax in your hands every, or no, something? No, but you, it was no? just okay. like every time and it was almost this weird habit, but I felt like it was ridiculous, but yep. I also felt like it would be the one time I didn't do it that, you know, shit would hit the fan. And Pre, pre-race think, rituals. Come on now. So there you go. It's yeah. such a big thing with pro athletes. I could mm. rattle off so many. Like Steve Smith, the cricketer, is a shocker. Like you what go to watch do? him bat and he sits there doing... Oh, all like twitchy. Before he faces the ball. <laughs> Rafael Nadal takes five hours to serve in tennis because he has to do this and then bounce the, the ball face six poking. million times yeah. and then go back yeah. to the Yeah, for our again. listeners, Joel is um, like poking his face yeah, in I an odd manner. Don't eye. poke your eye out. <laughs> anyway, no. uh, look, I want to talk about the races he won just quickly. So um, 121 mm. wins, uh, all of them great. Not just about the wins, but the way he achieved the wins. Um, what what have you got to say about this? Yeah, I mean, I think he's the kind of athlete when he first started, he was just easily winning bunch sprints and dominating in that regard. And as he's aged, his style has changed a bit where he's become possibly less explosive but more powerful yep. and been able to ride higher powers for longer. And that saw him win Paris-Roubaix, saw him win Flanders, these kind of races that it's not just about the pure sprint. And he has evolved as an athlete where on the days that he hasn't felt the sprint, because he's very self-aware, the sprint has been there. He's gone in long breakaways. He's gone uh, at the tour in moves specifically just to get the intermediate sprint points to make sure he got that green jersey, uh, even on a day that might not necessarily suit him. And the way that he won his three world titles in a row, that just shows, you know, on three very different courses where you'd wouldn't necessarily have picked him mm-hmm. for all three. He was a bit of a chameleon in mm-hmm. the way that he approached different races and different strategies. He definitely is in the back end of his best. Um, but people are saying, like people close to him are saying, he's coming back to a point that is as good as he's ever been. Wow. And okay. he will not go out quietly. So I'm pretty excited about the season ahead, actually. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, Merksy will be very excited because for years he's been saying, it's Pedo's day, and um, he's been wrong watch on most this, occasions. Watch this space from the 2008 oh. Junior World Mountain Bike exactly. Champion. Uh, yeah. Quote there saying, it's like watching Lionel Messi play football. That's very high praise, but look, not 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 terrible praise there. No, either, he's hard to replace from a personality point of view. So Okay, well, look, yeah. um, we salute you, sir, uh, whose name is Mr. Peter Sagan forevermore uh, on the Wheelhouse <laughs> podcast. What a career, and... Looking forward to see what happens in Paris because can all I'll say is can you imagine? There's a T-shirt. Can you imagine Peter Sagan mm. on the back of the shirt? We'll put that up now. You've been busy uh, as always. Mm. You're back from Geelong. Um, firstly, how was the trip working on Channel 7's broadcast? You did a great yes. job, by the way. Oh, thank you, Joel. I appreciate that. Yeah, I did the hosting and the commentary, which are two quite distinct roles. Um, hosting requires a very different preparation than the commentary. Yep. Commentary, you really have to deep dive and get so much information about the athletes. And I actually love doing it just from a personal interest perspective because you don't normally have time to do such a deep dive on each athlete on the start list, except when you're preparing for commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's always some fun facts. But we had some winners that weren't definitely weren't on the top of the um, favourites list. Most definitely, yeah. And as always, it delivered. 
it's such a cool race and it's they changed the course up a little bit this year to you know make it a bit more interesting for the most part until they get back into Geelong so it's a long kind of jaunt out onto the Great Ocean Road it's beautiful it's scenic uh, and then they come back in and all the action happens around the streets of Geelong it was so cool like both of them nail biter absolute yep. nail biter finish I just loved it. Like, gives me such a good feeling, and all of the athletes love racing it because they they know that if you're a mild favourite, you could do it. It's uh-huh. almost about who puts on the toughest pants um, that day. So, in the women, we had Luce Adagast uh, win, and Joel, she's the world esports champion. Yes, you know I'm a big fan of the esports athletes, and um, she kind of shocked herself. I, she did, and uh, can I just give a quick mention of it? our Spratty? Uh, is oh, it, yes. Is it the blue shoes, the lack of blue <laughs> shoes? She, she's such a phenomenal, ferocious athlete. That 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 little little joust that they had there those, those over those kilometres was extraordinary. Uh, Spratty falling short. Uh, Adagase, though, wow, this, this eSports, this isn't the end. We speak about Jay Vine a lot, but mm. these graduates that are approving themselves, she... I think more than anything, what a phenom- she's a phenomenal climber. She's got a heart. What's the old saying? She's got the heart the size of Uluru. Mm. Never stops. Um, she's not. This isn't the last we're going to see of these athletes coming through this production line. No, is it? and in fact, when I interviewed her post race, she was genuinely as shocked as she was thrilled. Yeah, and I think it's because she. She, it's her first year in the Women's World Tour in real life racing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's clearly very talented. The numbers don't lie, but. She hasn't had the experience in the world tour. And I think she herself didn't realise how well she would climb mm-hmm. and found herself in the position. And when it was coming down to a two-up sprint with she and Amanda Spratt, Spratty kind of had – I mean, she did her best. Yeah, but of course. she just didn't – she wasn't going to be able to out-sprint her. And, yeah, I mean, I think Spratty's like close but no cigar again. I'm telling um, you, it's the shoes. Oh, it'll no, it'll come back around. Of course it will. It will. Yeah. It'll come back around. She's got such good um, form, but I must say that she's such a good sport. Yeah. And on the podium, she always is so thrilled for whoever has beaten her when yep. she's coming second. But there was a little moment, a little moment, Joel, in the presentation where I saw Spratty's face. Go a little bit like a glint. You saw a a glint. A glint of frustration. But she's such a good sport. She wouldn't let that hang around for too long because she doesn't want to be the story um, amongst that win. But I can tell that she's very frustrated. And Rachel Nalen was the other one. Absolutely phenomenal ride. But she made one mistake on the first climb, positioned herself poorly, and had to spend a lot of energy to bridge across across to the break. And that was kind of it for her. And you could almost see steam coming out of her ears because she had no teammates there to help and to bridge. And it was a good reminder that so much of it is about strategy. Like who crosses the line first, especially at a race like Cadell's, isn't necessarily the best legs. I I mean, I think Adagast probably was best strategy and best legs, but um, it's very much about how you play the race. And we saw the same unfold in the fellows race. I, I want to go. Look, we'll go into into the the blokes race. Um, can you get? Can I get an Aussie report card from you? Because we saw a little bit more frustration from Michael Matthews and Caleb. Not quite, not quite there. What 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 did you make of their performances? I guess going from Adelaide to Geelong. Well, 
Going into Cadell's, we certainly had very high hopes. Michael Matthews, big yeah. favourite, no Massive question. Massive favourite, yeah. And Cadell, oh, Cadell, Caleb. Cadell making a miraculous comeback. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. He, he probably, you know, if he if he jumped on the bike, he probably would be there at the finish. Um, <laughs> Caleb was a good favourite yeah. if he could get over the climbs because it's a bit of an if on that course. He has before. He's won there before. Um, oh, sorry. He's been on the podium there before. He hasn't okay, won yeah. there before. Yep. Um, but... If they race really hard over the climbs, the sprinters don't really have much of a chance. Gassed, yeah. They did their best. Um, Caleb was there at the finish, but he was cooked, completely cooked, had no chance, like just had thrown everything out there already and didn't have his top end left. Yeah. And I think similar for Michael Matthews. But at the end of the day, the relatively unknown, never had a pro win before, Marius Meerhofer just came through with the goods, shocked the heck out of himself. Highly emotional, Holy wasn't moly. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that also goes, we actually spoke about it last week, like early season, sometimes you get surprise wins, if you want to use that word, because they've had a big winter training. We haven't seen them for a while. Yeah. And a lot of the young riders are on such a steep improvement yeah. that this is where we get to see, you know, coming good of all the hard work that they've done. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was cool to see Mayerhofer win, but I think really frustrating for Michael Matthews. Do you see Mayerhofer, mm. do you see sort of a, this being the, the start of a beautiful season for him or was it just like, oh, wow, I, a lotto ticket sort of race I don't know. Day. I don't know. Good question. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly, to be able to get to the end of that kind of race, a long, hard race on that kind of terrain and still have a sprint left, when we know how classy Michael Matthews is and yeah. we know that he's in good form and he also finished ahead of uh, Aussie Simon Clark, who, you know, Tour de France stage winner mm-hmm. from last year. So he's taken some big scouts in that regard. Yeah. But I, d- I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, watch this space. Big field, uh, long, long, hot mm. summer. Uh, that'd be <laughs> absolutely exhausted. Some people come to Australia to go to the beach in summer, but no, no, let's, let's Yeah, let's no, oh up. gosh, there was a bit of uh, beach going in between. I tell you what, it was so hot down there. <laughs> it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, I went um, for a swim in the, uh, in the Geelong Ocean Pool. Okay, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Beach. It was yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, Geelong. Uh, so congratulations, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Uh, Lewis Adegis, I think the uh, for mine the more impressive of the of the two victors just for that that finish. It was a thrilling kind of finish, mm. but good event. You're back. Let's go to Argentina on the Wheelhouse Podcast. We're, we're traveling this we week, are. aren't we? Said one, um, <laughs> Anger Lopez for the win. What about mm. that? I, I saw Remco making an. I think it was 14 or 15 kilometers out making an attack yeah. and everyone else just go, whoa, what are you doing? Stop. No, not now. Stop that. <laughs> I love seeing the world champion attack. Like yeah, It's yeah, always yeah. good to see the rainbow stripes being aggressive. I love the reaction in the peloton. Yeah. Like, there's just the little subtle sort of, oh shit, Ooh. what's happening? Oh no, this isn't. I know. Normal. I mean, because some you're like, ah, well, we'll chase back. Yeah. But him, you're like, ah. I don't think we oh, will. Oh, heavens, fellas. They um, did on this occasion, thankfully. They did. They did. <laughs> um, yes, Miguel Angel Lopez he took out the whole tour. This is, I've got a bit of a theory going here. I'm like going to just this. break it out. Now, okay. uh, he was dismissed from Astana toward the end of last year. He was riding here for Medellin, which is mm-hmm. like a local Colombian team. So um, San Juan is in Argentina, but a lot of the Colombian teams were present because it's a pro tour event, not a world tour event. Yep. So we had a bit of a different mix of uh, fields. He was sensational. He was on sensational form and he rode really well. It, his team were great, but they're certainly not as stacked as some of the other teams. So I think that makes his win even more 
Uh, impressive. Yeah. But to my conspiracy theory, is he was dismissed from Astana at the end of last year, November, December. And they said it's because he was like fraternising with a drug smuggling okay. ring. It was all a little with bit undesirables. dodgy. With undesirables. Yep. And he got dismissed from his contract. Ooh, okay. I'm going to put it out there that I reckon they use that as an excuse to get rid of him to free up some cash for Cavendish. Wow. Yeah. So uh, do, are you seeing a theme of teams stepping down, putting the foot down, I guess, on questionable fraternisations, associations? Mm. And Look, there are laws in some places where if you get caught hanging there out are. with criminal types, you're in trouble. There so are. is that what's um, happening? But look. I mean, Astana don't really mind their dopers, so I don't. <laughs> that's a big statement. Can you um, say that again? Just no, right into the I, mic no, for us. No, I will not. Um, <laughs> I apologise to the legal team. Uh, but you know, it's not that they've ever necessarily been on their high horse about yep. this kind of fraternising, and so I find that a little hmm. Like okay. I think it was just a good excuse. And I mean, the other one that you can throw in that bucket is Quintana. And the tramadol, mm. but he was out of contract, and so I think it's a little bit different. Okay, it's a bit different, but I think generally teams have to be more careful with bringing, you know, associated dopers or back into the fold. Where historically a lot of forgiveness has happened and yeah. second chances. I think realistically, there's so much talent that you just like. Why would you? Well, hundred percent, and I think if it's if that's not the actual reason, it's really crap of the teams to put I don't that know. as the reason. I do, I know that's 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 not good for the athlete it's either. So it's very like, astana oh my God, of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there it is. There's another. Oh, one. oh okay. sorry, sorry, legal team. Mercy, can you get on to the lawyers? Because um, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Aussie, let's let's move on. Uh, whether it was free and cash for Cav, <laughs> look, the good news is Cav has a team. Uh, we'll just mention that again for the 800th time. You're now. just moving us on before we. Get uh, in cut any off more here. trouble? Yes, okay. Sam Sorry. Welshford, uh, two stage wins. Mm. Um, again, another announcement on the road. He's a four-time world champion on the track, a silver and bronze Olympic medalist. Second year with DSM. Not a bad, uh, not a bad outing in Argentina. No, two wins, yeah. two big sprint wins. Uh, yeah, really great result. He's only had one win on the road uh, at this level with DSM, and that was the presidential tour of Turkey last year in stage five. Okay. That was an impressive victory as well. Yeah. He does come from the track. He's 27 now, I think. Um, he's got shoulders like a front rower, used to be a rugby union player. Yep. Uh, he's done tremendous things on the track. I mean, to be four-time world champion, teams pursuit and scratch race. So the guy can sprint, um, and he knows how to navigate a bunch as well. And I think we're only just starting to see him emerge in the capacity that he can on the road. You know, without the track focus, I think he would have um, been in this position five years ago. It's just delayed his progress, but he's certainly super talented. And yeah, I mean, it it wasn't an easy field to win in either. It's not a low level race. Well, that's, yeah, massive, massive. I I mean, it's the funny thing about San Juan. It's not a world tour race, but the teams show up. Like it is. Yeah. So it's one of the only pro tour races that you take as seriously as a world tour race. It's a it's a, a perfect trial, a, a season trial, trial sort of get into the, yes. the pre-season trials. Basically. Well, and look, it'll be great for his season because it means that they will back him yeah. um, for some other big races and big results and put the team behind him to do so. It saves him flying all the way to Australia too. Let's go oh. to Argentina instead. That's oh, fine. We don't, I would, we don't, I would have liked to see him at the Tour Down Under, but... 
Another one of those reasonably fresh new coming. We mentioned a few. Marius, obviously, in Cadell. We're going to mention that name again. Jay yes. Vine, this this new you know, generation coming through. It's exciting. It's exciting. It is. Especially and when some of the forerunners at the moment are quite young themselves as I well. So. And, I mean, DSM are having a good trot as well. Yeah, hell of a May trot. Hell of a trot. Great trot. Yes. Let's talk about Fabio Jakobsen in Sun mm. 1 because there was a bit of drama, a bit of drama uh, on that last stage. So you've got a bit of background here because he's he's had some, some injury issues, some nasty falls. Mm. Before this one really strikes me, it takes me back again to that horrendous uh, 2020 Tour de France opening stage, I believe, uh, sign. Remember sign gate? Yes. yes. Look at this. We've got an image. If you want to have a look on our social media and you'll find this image, a fan with a phone, it looks like the fan is punching him in the face as he goes past. It actually looks... Seriously. He's going for the, a photo. He's going for a photo. He's extended out past the barriers, hanging over the barriers with his phone out trying to take a photo. And he's fair-clipped Jakobsen in the face. In the face. Uh, the phone and the glasses have gone flying, laceration <sighs> to Jakobsen's face. Uh, now, as a standalone incident, this is pretty tough to watch. They're going upward of 70 Good to 80 clip, yeah. kilometres per hour. Uh, the fact that he held it up and didn't fall is remarkable. And still finished second and on the stage, yes. but mind you. Yeah. Behind Sam Wellsford. That was remarkable. But yeah. given Jakobsen's history, I think this is a much bigger discussion point. So Jakobsen had a horrendous fall um, in the Tour of Poland, a fall that, quite honestly, he was lucky to survive. Mm. The fact that he is even racing again is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many people in the sport who hold quite a lot of emotional scars from that, from the fact that that can happen, that that's part of the job, um, that sometimes they're put in this kind of danger when the safety and the organisation where they haven't put enough measures in to keep the athletes protected. And it's had some ramifications. It has led to some... Uh, the UCI having a bit more of a focus on keeping the athletes safe. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it out there. Once again, hello, UCI, we love you. Um, <laughs> they're not doing a very good job. Mm. So they've got these barriers in that essentially slant backwards so that even if people do hang over them, there is still, you know... There's no gap. There needs to be a, like... There's a spa yeah. yeah, but the fans need to be further yeah, back again. Exactly, exactly. Because the fact that a cheering fan can hit an athlete yeah. going that speed, it, it's just not okay. Yeah. And can you imagine he's gotten back on the bike after this Poland incident and it's taken him years, including um, a, a dozen facial reconstructive surgeries. Like, wow. it's, for him to even be racing, I think, shows the mental fortitude beyond what most of us can even imagine to then have this kind of incident. No, it's not fair. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. Like it, just, to, yeah. it really gets me. And, you know, he was pretty composed at the end and he said he needed to trust his lead out a little bit more. And the reason he was in that position is because he kind of made an error. Yeah. But even if he made an error in the sprint, he was riding safely. He was riding legally. He was riding in the field of play. And this still happened. It, it still should happened. not happen. Uh, yeah, but look, I just think he's remarkable. But it does go to show the fact that he said afterwards he wasn't following his lead out very well, mm. that he's still having some doubts. You know, yep. he's still finding the confidence and he does need to work really well with 
um, the quick step lead out train. The lead out train who took uh, Mark Cavendish to so many victories. Indeed, I yes. might add. The cab uh, train. So it is the best. It, it's the best lead out of any team in the world. Yeah. Like kind of unrivaled. He needs to trust them a little bit more because mm. then I think we will see him winning many, many, many stages yeah. uh, in the future. It's just a little bit about confidence, but sending him all our thoughts because this would knock your confidence a little bit. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually, it's infuriating and it's not, it's not at all okay because they're, they're just, they're far too close and it's not about, oh, they're athletes. It's not, it's like, no, no, this is a safety issue for not just the athlete, the fan as well. Like you could get really cleaned up. It's, um, yeah, I mean, you just wouldn't tolerate it in other sports. No, I you, don't it, understand why I went, cycling lets this happen Not again even just and again. sport, Kate Bates. Not even, I went to the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert the other night right near the front, try as I might, I couldn't reach out and touch Flea because there was a safety barrier of three or four metres, right. as there well should have been. Yeah, right. Cricket, boundary ropes, people people can't field on the fence anymore because it's dangerous. People, like, get excited, yes. drunk. I don't know, I'm going to start You're absolutely up ranting this, here. But I think it's fair. I just, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. Anyway, yeah. uh, Cyclocross World's coming up. Let's change, <laughs> let's change direction Speaking now. Speaking of craziness so, on the bike. Shh. Showdowns, showdowns, your man. I think this might be our first mention of the year of the one and only WVA, Wout Van Aert. Is this our first mention? I think so. Welcome back, Wout. Sorry I stole the mention from you there too. That's massive (laughs) for me, yeah. No, not at all. It is exciting times. Mm. We've got the uh, World Championships coming up in Hugerheide. And two besties come together for another showdown. Um, Yeah, we've got, I mean, we'll start with the women because they have an incredibly deep field. Yep. Like it's really cool actually how um, the women's has evolved over the last couple of years. And we've got highlighting Femme Van Empel and Puck Peters. Femme dominated the early season in the cyclocross. She had a bit of a nasty uh, crash and her back was a little bit twinged, but I believe she's coming back into form. Puck Peters won the Dutch national championships uh, last weekend or the weekend before. She's in incredible form. It'll be a showdown. Our reigning world champion, Mariana Vos, is not back because um, she's got back issues. It's a very common theme yeah. here, back issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that these two ladies are going to give us one of the biggest showdowns um, that we've had to date. In the under-23 women, we've got Sharon Van Anroy mm-hmm. and Zoe Backstead. Now, that's interesting, Joel, because... They could both race elite and have been racing yeah, well, elite Zoe all season. Yeah, Zoe has shown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, just her class, that's for sure. But I guess if you've got a category, why not race in it and try and take the rainbows? Dominate. Dominate. Get in and dominate. Uh, what's your shout? Mm. So we, we love Fem. We talk about Fem a lot mm. on the Wheelhouse podcast. Let's get some tips quickly on the in the mm. elite women. I'm actually going to go for Puck Peters. Puck Peters definitely wins the best name. I was about medal. to say that. Yes. If nothing uh, else, she comes in with the best name. Yes. M- Madam Peters. Yes. You're going to tip Puck over Fem in, the, in that showdown? I am, yep. Zoe versus Shirin? Mm, Shirin. Really? Yeah. I thought you were Zoe all over. I know, I'm I know. Gonna go Zoe. I might regret I'm gonna, that. I'm going to go Zoe right here and now. We'll yep. make a, a friendly wager. Yes. A well, new shirt for me versus, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. What do you want? I don't know. To the value of a shirt. So. I don't know. I just, right now I could go a coffee. So a coffee. I'm happy yeah. Okay, with a coffee. sure. Yeah, um, done. <laughs> so, yeah. So now that we've we've gone with the women, mm-hmm. we have to go back to the men. Okay. To the so, showdown. Wout Van Aert, I'll say it again. Uh, Matthew Van Der Poel. He's, he's someone that I, again, immediately admired as a bit of a showman when I mm. came into my cycling interests really got mm. going. And 
I like that a lot. I love it when they come together because if they're not racing and trying to tear each other's hearts out, they're hugging and cuddling and bromancing like no one's business. It's a a fun relationship they've got between them. Uh, So they go in as the favourites, no question. Our reigning champion, Tom Pidcock, He's not here. Hang on, sorry. Um, where Just are you, Tom? having a quick look around. Duh, duh. Where's, where's Tom Pitcock? And he's actually where's... copped a bit of flack for not defending his jersey. Yeah, but what, what, what? Well, he's got some pretty ro- pretty big road goals this year. Okay. It's only three weeks to the Classics. But more importantly than that, he said the last season where he won the world title, but he kind of lost his love for cyclocross. And it was a little bit of, you know, a bit of a slog for him. And so he thought that okay. this season wouldn't really be something. So he planned not to focus on it. He ended up doing it, ended up kind of falling in love with it again. So we will see him back, but it isn't in his program for this year. Okay. Vanderpool and Van Aert, they're about 50-50, I reckon. They both kind of back themselves, but also acknowledge the other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vanderpool's had a, a bad back. A bad back. but Another the, bad back? Another bad back. Wow. But the course in Hugerheide, I think I'm saying well that right. Well done. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> it might change a few times, is where his father grew up. Oh. And his father was involved in course design. And I believe they've minimised the amount of 180 degree kind of hairpin turns on the course because they're the real pinch points for the bad back. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a bit of, um, don't worry, son. I got yes, you I've in the course you. design. Okay. I don't know. I feel I'm not sure how I feel about that. But is is that yeah? Oh. Is there a COI a conflict in here or no? Oh look, I would I would say a very strong one. Is there, remember uh, that bend that we yeah. had in our backyard when you were a boy when we built that little bike path? I've replicated that bend yes, on this course for yes. you. So wink, wink. You'll there be you go, fine. darling. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure that oh, he speaks like that. But anyway, Jeez, we are firing shots in the wheelhouse bunker today. today. Yeah, um, so I reckon, um, I don't know, oh, oh, I'm torn. I don't think you love it. I don't love it, but okay. I, I'm thinking I, I, I'm thinking that Vanderpool might have it. Oh, okay. Because I cannot believe that that might be the first time know, ever that you've tipped against Vanderpool. I know, but on the world championship scale, like elite world titles for cyclocross, Vanderpool has four, Van Aert has three against each okay. other. Like quite a rivalry, right? I'm going to stick with Wout. But the temperature, the the weather predictions, they say it's going to be dry. That okay. suits Vanderpool. If it's wet, Mr. Van Aert. Wet Wout. Wet Wout. Okay. I really want a new shirt, so I'm going to go with Wout because I feel like he's going <laughs> to yeah. just, just get You really need done. some new wardrobe. Like yes. there's a common theme coming This through. This is the shirt that walked up the walk screw in Adelaide too, oh. so let me tell you. <laughs> has it been uh, in the wash since? No. Oh, heavens. No, of course it has. Uh <laughs> Industrial. <laughs> little backtrack uh, there. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, I want to talk – we could keep talking about cyclocross and, and the personalities that are involved and all of that, but I think we should maybe move on. I want to get a quick thought from you. I just – if you – because I was wondering about this. We were chatting about this all the way back in Wollongong at the Worlds last year, so the under-23s mm. racing opens. Like, what? what's the What's the point? What's the, How does it mm. – yeah. We, we, you've mentioned it. Not five minutes ago on this very mm. episode. So where do you stand on this? What's the point of the category? I think originally the point of the category is for development because usually under 23 riders haven't had the opportunities and, you know, it's a giant leap from under 19s okay. to open. Yeah. Um, but as the sport's evolved, that has changed actually. We're seeing, 
you know, riders like Pogacar win the Tour de France in their early 20s when technically they'd still be in the under-23 category. Mm -hmm. Times have changed. And that, even at on the road, yeah, we talked about it a lot in Wollongong because I think that makes the men's under-23 category to a degree yep. redundant, but to a degree because there are still a lot of athletes who develop later and I, I think you still need that. For the women, it's pretty new. Yeah. Um, and in fact so new that they don't even have their, their own race at the world championships yet Indeed. on the road. It's still all combined. Cyclocross is a really interesting one because it's more evolved than any other discipline when it comes to the females, especially. And you are getting a lot of the world's best still in the under 23 category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because there isn't the same structure around professionalism and whatnot, you don't have you know, the the same question as you do on the road about uh -huh. do they belong there or not. I mean, I think if you're under 23, you have every right. To be honest, if it was me and I thought I could win elite, I'd, I'd want to be elite. In, the, in the elite pot for yeah. sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. but though, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's the sport's in a good place for the women, especially if there's that decision to be made. Yeah, okay. Well, mm. Maybe they can just play a game of paper, scissors, rock to decide who races. Oh, that was a really bad segue, but I wanted to try it. I, I don't, Let's give it a go. I, you know what I love? When something happens in, in, in a sport and then six months later it gets picked up outside of the sport and becomes a, a, a thing again. So we're going to finish up today chatting about uh, Pogge having a bit of paper, scissors, rock. Now, first, how do you say it? Well, I say paper, scissors, rock. Yeah. So but, do I. But apparently the rest of the world, including uh, the definition on the interwebs, Joel, says rock, paper, scissors. That is backwards and I don't like it. I don't like it either. But a good old game of paper, scissors, rock went on at the Tour of Slovenia in 2022. Long time back. Long yeah, we're going time back, back here. We're yeah, going yeah, back. Yeah. And Pog and Rafa Micah crossed the line together. They did a little showman's paper, scissors, rock Mm. about who would win mm -hmm. to cross the line. A, a couple of days ago, it was retweeted or re-put out by History in Memes. On Twitter, on yeah. On Twitter. Yeah. It's gone bananas. But the bananas responses, gosh, it's a cracker. God, I mean, Twitter can be good and bad, right? Uh, are from non-cyclists. So History in Memes is not a cycling account. It's a bit more mainstream than that. And there's a lot of people who've put in their two cents worth yeah. Um, about this scenario, not understanding the nuances of it. And uh, quite frankly, Joel, it's been hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. It's every child wins a prize. This is what's wrong with society. This is, yeah, this is bullshit. I think that's the cracker. Yeah. This is what's wrong with society. Yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. What a privileged life you live if you what? think this is what's wrong with society. Whatever happened to work your hardest and may the best man win. Oh. That's another one. I know. That's there were the best man win too. Like let's not let's not forget this. You know. yeah, anyway, let's all not good. forget ladies. Uh, um, but literally hundreds, thousands of these quite yeah out out of touch comments that clearly don't understand the situation or the scenario. And it's the fact funny. that it happened six plus months. Well, that's, that's right. yeah. Like, and, why is this even in the media again? Very funny. It made me made me laugh, and it also made us uh, do a little bit of investigation. Okay. Um, this is actually it's called. Rochambeau. Yes. It's not called Paper, Scissors, Rock or Rock, Paper, Scissors. It's called Rochambeau. Rochambeau. And uh, it's a Chinese hand gesture game. So there you go. I mean, uh, I think if I said to any of my friend group, hey, want to play Rochambeau? 
they would not know what I was talking about. Yeah. So there you go. We're on a path to educating. Rock, paper, scissors. Our According to Rick Wikipedia as well. So mm, Paper, scissors, rock to me. My first experience of it was on the Sega Master System console. It was in a game called Alex Kid, and it wasn't called either of those things. It was called Jenkins, and I don't know why. We'll have to investigate that. That'll be a special episode on the Wheelhouse Podcast. But as you say, context behind it is Podge being a sportsman and an athlete and honouring Honouring him for the assistance and the service that he's provided him. It was actually quite a lovely moment. It was. It was a lovely moment in the sport. Out of context, though. Mm. It's the bane of our existence. Gee, I hope we never get taken out of context on oh, this podcast. We would be Probably over. a bad episode for it, Joel. Uh, this has been a lot of fun on the Wheelhouse Podcast. Always a pleasure to be on the bunker, Kate. Likewise. Okay. Well, thank you for, for liking, sharing. Tell everyone you know. It's a lot of fun. It's a Wheelhouse Podcast. A big shout out to everyone who makes it possible, including our beloved Merksy, who's not here today because he's in uh, in mourning for Peter Sagan, who hasn't passed but has retired uh, from not the whole sport, but just, just part of the sport. But we'll still treat it like a grieving process. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time on the Wheelhouse Podcast. This episode of The Wheelhouse was brought to you by our friends at Growgetters Group, Champion System and Pisse. Produced at River City Studios for Listener. Executive produced by our mysterious man, Merksy. Written and hosted by myself, Joel Spreadborough and Kate Bates. <laughs> <laughs>